Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. theme for the year is wake up the first service didn't know it's a good indicator that they're not woke up all right um, appreciate you guys belting that out um, remember it's it's a theme primarily first to wake up the church right it's a charge it's a call it's a challenge for the church to rise up Let's begin to move in our authority. Let's begin to move in our authority, right? I mean, that's, that's the heartbeat of what we're talking about this year, waking up and understand that the church has a voice. We got a voice to the nations. We got a voice to our nation. Some of you are frustrated with where our nation's at. My question is, what kind of spiritual voice are you sharing with our nation? The church is called to use their voice in the city, in the community, to families, to marriages. Come on now. All relationships, individual hearts. It's time that you and I wake up and share our voice and stop being shocked that the world is not waking up. Sometimes I talk to people, this world is horrible. People are today are horrible. What do you expect? They don't have the Holy Spirit in them to wake them up, right? So it's really, when you hear the words wake up, rise, awaken, and all that stuff in the scriptures, most of the time, it's Jesus and or the prophets challenging the church. How many love our thing now? All right. So Ephesians 5, 14, um, probably the key verse for this year. Uh, wake up! Wake up, sleep, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I believe that today this is a very timely, and in some ways a very touching wake-up call, a touching message, a very timely and touching message. And as Jake said, we're going to talk about a wounded wake-up call, a wounded wake-up call. Um, this past uh, New Year's Eve was different than the last 35 New Year's Eves in my life and in Kim's life. Uh, number one, it was the first time on New Year's Eve that we were not in Michigan. We were in Missouri visiting my son. Um, number two, I was tortured. I, I, I flat out was tortured in a hotel room watching the Michigan football game. Okay. And it was torture. Nick and Kim came to say, hey, let's watch the game with Dad. They were there for four seconds. They bolted. They were gone. Like, He's lost his mind, you know. And, and number three, we had to wake up three o'clock in the morning to catch a flight to Denver. Denver. We're in Missouri. Now, I don't know which way north, south, east is and all that stuff, but we're in the center the nation, we got to fly to the West Coast and then to Detroit. 3 a.m. You say, well, why'd you have to fly to Denver? Two flights to Chicago were both canceled, so we were headed to Denver, and for the first time in my life, I got to see the Rocky Mountains. Rocky Mountain High. 
we're not taking applications for the worship team. <laughs> Some of you got no shot, just saying. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and that's about all you're doing, all right? So, you know, I mean, I guess my point with all that is, you know, you're getting up early, Michigan getting killed in a football game, you're not in Michigan for the very first time in the history of our marriage. And like I said, for the first time in 30 years, we didn't do 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. That's how we do it, all right? Kimmy says, not quite. First time in 35. Whoa. Shoopy. Somebody, somebody relax her a little bit, all right? Like you better when you had COVID. Just kidding, all right. So you know, we didn't do that. And here's my whole point. How many know the fact that we didn't get to do the 1098 and all the way down and do the kiss thing? How many know that's not the end of the world? It's not the end of the world, right? But what if Jesus was going, 10, 9, Moses, Aaron, wake up, Thomas. He doesn't believe it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh! First service, and I skipped a, I mean, I had some real issues. I nailed it right there, didn't I? Now, how many are hoping that the trumpet that Jesus blows is a little bit louder and better than that? But what if it was, and we were spiritually sleeping, in a spiritual slumber, and spiritually not awake? Hold on to that. We'll get back to that in just a little bit. Now, it might be hard to believe, but your pastor, me, at times can exaggerate some trivial problems. <laughs> I have a tendency sometimes to overemphasize trivial things. Um, and Kimmy, in a classic way, will say, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> I'm cool with it most of the time. I'll give you some examples. Um, this is me. Honey, sugar plum, <laughs> sweetie pie. I, I think you might have overcooked the pasta. Now, how many know I, I would never say it that way? I would have an attitude. I'd be like, are you kidding me right now? You overcooked the pasta? And guess what her response would be? It's not the end of the world. I'm like, it's pretty close. Yeah. We'll see if you have that attitude by the end of the message, all right? I'm a fanatic when it comes to getting your oil changed in the Jeep or any car. My kid calls me once a week to get your oil changed. I mean, that's the first thing I say. I don't say, I love you. It's, did you get the oil changed? Because the last thing I want is to have car problems because of our negligence, you know what I'm saying? So every now and then, you know, I'll say, okay, make sure you get the oil changed in the Jeep this week. And 
I'll ask her towards the end of the week, did you get the oil changed in, in, in the Jeep? And she'll say, no, I, I forgot. And then I'll cop an attitude. And what does she say? It's not the end of the world. I know it's not the end of the world, but it almost was the end of your Jeep. <laughs> Again, do a three-hour fight and make up at the altar on Sunday. All right. Let's get serious. When you are in a wounded season, it feels like it's the end of the world. Let me say that again. When you personally, when you're experiencing a wounded season, it looks like in your life like it's the end of the world. And presently, guys, there are massive amounts of hurting hearts, massive amounts. There are massive amounts of scarred spirits. And there are massive amounts of people experiencing painful wounds. And because they don't know how to get out of it, they think it's what? It's the end of the world. So number one, we're going to talk about, wake up! Our world is wounded. Go to Isaiah 53. We'll get there in a little bit. Have you ever had uh, bad service at the airport? Have you ever had rude service at the grocery store? Have you ever had horrific service at a restaurant? Just a little note to self. That's not the end of the world. Although sometimes we act like it. We kind of act like it's the end of the world. Um, I will never make excuse for bad service, all right? But have you ever thought that maybe the one serving is having a really bad day? I don't care what their job is. Is it possible that the one serving is in a wounded season? Is it possible that the one serving you at the restaurant, at the airport, at the car dealership, whatever it may be, may be experiencing some real heartache in their lifestyle, in their life? It's just something to think about. Uh, Kimmy went to the hospital this week, uh, Emergency room, wasn't feeling all that great. She wanted to get some tests to clear some things up to make sure she was okay. And she texted me, and she said, there's a lady in the emergency room that's loud and obnoxious. And I'm like, oh, boy. I'm like, you know, steer clear. You know, stay away. You know, you don't need that. Half hour later, she's like, oh, my goodness, God opened the door and started ministering to the lady. Isn't that pretty cool, you know? You know, and, and uh, it's not like she led, her, led him to Jesus like her dad, okay? But she ministered the gospel to this lady, showed this lady Jesus and bought this lady a soda, freaked her out. A few minutes, la- a few minutes later, hello, I still on? A few minutes later, all of a sudden, the lady notices that Kim is cold because she's kind of you know, complaining a little bit that she's cold. The lady's like, hey, somebody get this lady a, a blanket. I mean, no, you reap what you sow. All right? Um, I love how Chick-fil-A trains their employees. It's just incredible. I'm going to summarize that for you real quick. They they train their employees a specific way to treat their guest. Um, You know, and understand this. I didn't say this in the first service. They're trying to sell chicken sandwiches. All right? I mean, how many know that, that our product is a little more powerful than a chicken sandwich? You know what I'm saying? So keep that in mind. But they train their customers 
they train their employees to do this, like, you know, to a customer. Uh, when, when, when this customer comes to the counter, I want you to think that it's possible that, that this guy just found out he has cancer. This parent doesn't know what to do with their transgender teenager. This teenager just found out she's pregnant. This lady was just served papers. This kid, this kid acting up is being abused in every way possible. How many know that'll change the way you treat your customers? Speaking of acting up, I acted up a lot as a kid. How many can tell? Can you imagine raising me? I get mad when the pasta's overcooked. I really acted up a lot when I was a teenager. And I gotta be real with you. I don't know one person. I don't know a teacher. I don't don't know a coach. No clergy. No Christian ever told me to slow down and let me talk to you and speak into your life. Think about that. You're acting up as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old, 18-year-old, and no one, not one Christian was awake enough to say anything nice to me to try to help me with what I was dealing with, the wounds that I was experiencing. I got nothing, no story when it comes to that kind of stuff. And what I say to that is this, church, it's time to wake up. I said, it's time to wake up. We have to get out of our Christian cocoons. We've got to get out of our believers' bubbles, you know? There's a world out there that's wounded. It's scarred, it's scared, it's struggling, and it is stressed out. And we've got to get out of our Christian cocoons and realize that God doesn't have a plan B. He got one plan. He's going to use the church to impact this globe. Would you say amen? Amen. That's it. That's why you see in the scriptures, one of the reasons why you see in the scriptures so many times, wake up, oh sleeper. You got a job to do. You got a call. I don't want to bore you with a bunch of stats, but I will share some situations and some issues. Our anxiety epidemic ain't going away. People's finances are a fiasco. Grief is grueling to many. Depression and mental illness are off the charts. Most most addictions are increasing with intensity. Parents are pulling out their hair, stressed by pressure-packed schedules. Marriages are a hot mess, and many relationships are not being reconciled. The suicide rate is once again on the rise. Many are struggling with disease and sickness. Fatherless households have become the norm. The heartache of adultery is running rampant in the world and in the church. Business owners are, 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 are under massive pressure to find employees. And many people feel purposeless and dreamless. And as a result of that, they are, they are rebellious. And in the midst of those stats... Sometimes the church has a reputation of not caring. Sometimes that is our reputation. Why? Because because sometimes all we do is preach. Sometimes all we do is point. 
Sometimes all we do is post about all the horrible stuff going on in the world. So we're preaching, we're pointing, we're posting, and some of us are actually just pouting. And as a result of that, we have this reputation. I want you to know that I am all for speaking out against sin. I do, and I will continue to do that. But we must do more than speak out. We got to wake up to our wounded world. Because some of us are incredible at speaking out, whether it's publicly on social media or it's one-on-one, any kind of relationships, we are incredible at speaking out, and there's a time for that. But I'm here to tell you that the time for right now is for us to wake up because our world is extremely wounded. And I'm not sure if we can, um, we can change our society's perspective about the church. I don't know if we could ever do that. I mean, the church hasn't had the greatest reputation for 2,000 years, right? So I don't know if we can change that. I don't know if we're supposed to, but I will say this. If we wake up and listen to their wounds, they might listen to our words. If we'll just wake up and listen to their wounds, they might listen to God's word. They might listen to your words. But how many know it starts with you and I listening? I mean, I was so wounded by the world. Just some thoughts real quick. This world told me that partying was cool. Anybody else fall for that lie? You know? I became a lush, right? The world lied about relationships to me, and the world lied to me about rebellion. If you get involved in these relationships, and or, 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 or if you rebel, you know, it's, it's going to be for your benefit. All I know is it wounded me and it scarred me, relationships and rebellion. The world lied to me about promising me that, that, that uh, popularity and position would fulfill me. And I believed that for years. And I lived very empty because popularity cannot fill your spirit. Are you hearing me, friends? Position. Some of you are thinking, if I could just get that position at school or at work, I'd finally arrive and I'd feel fulfilled. No, you wouldn't. Because only Jesus can fill that void. I'm just saying. But the world didn't tell me that. I want you to listen to a classic portion of scripture. It's in Isaiah. I think I told you to turn there, 53. And it's verse five. I'm gonna read it very slow. I'm gonna pause. And when I pause, you can belt out where I leave off. But the scripture says this, but he, talking about Jesus, he, he was pierced. He was, another translation says he was wounded. He, Jesus, was pierced. He was wounded for our. Don't you miss that. I don't care if you've heard that scripture 965 times. Don't you miss that. He, God, Jesus, was pierced. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was also crushed for what? Our iniquities. That's pretty important. The punishment that was brought on the punishment, that was brought, brought, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. Let me say that again. The punishment that brought who? Think about it. The punishment that God experienced brings us peace. It was on him. And by his wounds, by his stripes, by his hurts, who gets healed? We get healed. That word means to mend. It means to cure. 
It means to repair, to make whole. And we're going to get back to this a little bit later. But before I forget, I want to make sure that our, that we listen to that, the, the fact that our wounded world needs to know that God was wounded for our wounds. We cannot miss that. I don't know if they know that. I don't know too many people that understand that God has been there and done that. Understand the character of God, the nature of God. He doesn't just say, come to me and I'll forgive you and heal you. No, he goes out and does the dirty work. He was wounded, ultimately for your wounds and for my wounds and for their wounds. Can somebody say amen? amen. Understand the nature of our God. We cannot miss this. Don't miss the fact that God's been there, done that. He's experienced what it means to be pierced, crushed, and wounded. And he didn't do anything. He was 100% innocent. He did it for our sins our transgressions, and our iniquities. And I guess my challenge to us as a local church is to get that message out to our wounded world. Amen? I just wonder what would happen in this church and in the church in general if we just woke up and began to share the message about his wounds. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the, the best people that can speak into our life are those who have experienced what we've experienced for the most part, right? And the fact that God can experience what it's like to be wounded is the best person for us to go to to get our wounds healed. Amen? Whew. All right. Thank you, six people. Hallelujah. I'm okay with that. Jesus started with 12. We're halfway there. So number one is wake up. Our world is wounded. Number two is wake up. The church is wounded. The church is wounded. Go to Romans 13. We'll get there in just a little bit. Remember, Rock Church dreams of a place. Got 10 dreams in the corners. My far right, my far left. And one of those dreams is that the broken are made whole. That's one of our dreams. Because I see so many broken, wounded people in the world and in the church. So one of our dreams is that God would use us to help those who have been broken to be made whole. Not really seen a lot of that in 35 years of Christianity. And I want to. That's why it's a dream, right? Remember, the wake-up call starts with the church. It starts with the church waking up from our spiritual slumber, our spiritual sleeping, the spiritual status quo, you know, the, the, the spiritual settling or the spiritual stagnation. God wants us to wake up from spiritual stagnation and receive living water. Are you hearing me? He doesn't want rivers of living water. Some of us are a little bit on the stagnant side when it comes to spiritually speaking, and God wants us to wake up from that. All right. Years ago, um, this was Christmas Eve, um, it was my first Christmas Eve as a Christian. So it was December 19. You guys are sharp. Um, and I went to my very first Christmas Eve service. It was incredible. Candlelight, wax all over the sanctuary. I mean, just, just incredible. Um, 
And after the service, uh, there was a relatively new guy to the church. And I could tell he was alone and lonely. So I said, hey, man, you know, what are you doing for Christmas Eve? I'm doing nothing, man, just going home by myself. And I was like, why don't you come to my house and celebrate Christmas with us? Have you ever been to an Italian Christmas party? I mean, loud, obnoxious, calling each other names. You know, I mean, the key's like flipping out because we're just loud and obnoxious. Towards the you know, middle of the night, a, a game of Pictionary broke out. Okay, remember Pictionary? How many of you ever played Pictionary? Raise your hand. Well, back then, there was also a game called Bible Pictionary. And I was on the road to sanctification, so we were playing Bible Pictionary. We weren't just playing Pictionary. We were Christians, right? And we're playing Bible Pictionary, and I drew this picture. Do we have a picture of that? I drew that for the, for the new guy that I barely knew. And you know you can't really talk. You just draw. So after I drew that, he started going, Ch-. what do you think that is, by the way? Church. It's a what? Church. It's a church. This guy started going, Ch-. I'm like, come on, say it. You know? he's, he's like, Ch-. like, say it, buddy. Come on, man. Yeah. I said, listen, man, we just left there, all right? Come, just say it, all right? <laughs> We're just there, you know? And she, uh, 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 he's flipping out, okay? The hourglass. I don't know how long them hourglasses are, okay? <laughs> you know? And I'm looking, and I'm flipping out. Come, this is an easy one, buddy. Come on, man. I'm going to get to the next card. You know, this is a gimme, you know? And, and, and I'm watching the hourglass. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Remember Dorothy <laughs> flipping out? I'm flipping out, man. I'm watching the sand pour down the hourglass, okay? And the guy can't say the word. Couldn't say it. He said, well, why couldn't he? He said, well, I had my hands around his throat. But uh, (laughs) he couldn't say the word church. And I thought, you know what? There's a lot of people today that can no longer say the word church. There's a lot of people that can't say it. They can't invite people to church. They haven't in months and years. And there's tons of reasons why. Okay, I mean, I got a few here. I guess I'll share some of the potential reasons why. But, but you know, some people um, are just too PC, you know, too politically correct, you know. Um, they're afraid to offend somebody. You know, if I tell them they need to go to church, they're going to think I'm judging them, you know, whatever. Others are too passive. You know, too shy, too insecure. Maybe they don't feel equipped to invite somebody and say the word church. But what I want to land on is simply this. Some are just too wounded. Um, Their church experiences have been extremely, extremely painful. And they get a lot of flashbacks. And the last thing that they want is for so-and-so to come and experience maybe what they did three years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, so they kind of hold back because of their wound, their scars. I was extremely wounded by the world. I already talked to you about that. Um, Some of it was self-induced, right? How many of you have been wounded by the world? Raise your hand. Not that hard. Just lift it, you know, okay? Not that difficult. Now, how many would admit and say, some of my wounds from the world... We're self-induced. Like, you might want to get two up. I'm just saying. 
you know, just might want to. You, know, you just might want to. I know your story. I can, you, know. you know, I mean, and it's, I think the same is, is true for church, you know. Um, how many have been wounded by church? You know, how, much, how many would admit and say some of that's self-induced? You played a little part in it, you know what I'm saying? Now, I know not as many hands are going to go up, but nevertheless, stop and think about it. I look at my life. I've been wounded by the world and the church. And I can admit in front of you in social media world, okay, that some of that's self-induced. Some of my wounds from the world are because of my choices. And some of the wounds that I've experienced from the church, I, I played a part in. So I just want to throw that out even though that's really not what we're so much talking about today. Today is more about us waking up and realizing that wounded people come to church. They sit next to us. They greet us. Or they don't greet us. Hello. Wounded people come to church, and some of their wounds are from other Christians, and many times from other Christian leaders. Just saying. And wounded people that come to church, you ready for this? They need Jesus. And they still need the church. They may not realize that. I want you to understand that that list of stuff that I shared about wounds in the world are also wounds in the church. And I'll just summarize that for you. Our churches have similar problems. We have similar issues, similar hurts, and similar wounds. Anxiety, depression, messed up marriages, dysfunctional families, people overworked, overloaded, financial fiascos, parents dragging kids to sports, school, and in front of a TV or monitor to to get on Zoom. I mean, they're just flipping out. Now, what you have to add to that, because that's kind of going on with Christians and churches, but what you have to add to the churchgoer list or the wounded list is the pressure, the pressures and the pain from a worldwide pandemic. Now you got to add to churchgoers toxic teachings and or toxic leadership. You've got to add to some of the churchgoers a ton of legalistic man-made rules and regulations that were tossed on them years ago, right? And you got to add to churchgoers um, Uh, Our culture of unforgiveness and our culture of offense is oozing its way into our churches. I mean, our culture is just bitter, dealing with unforgiveness and just offended by everything, and that is oozing its way into the church doors, into the hearts of Christians. I'm just saying. And the churchgoer has to deal with being weary and wounded because so many people have stepped down from serving serving in ministry, and it's causing a lot of Christians to almost crack. They're exhausted. They're wounded. They're weary. Now, I went off in the first service. I'll I'll try to be a little nicer if you don't mind, and I just winged it here, so I want you to hear my heart more than my words, but I want to publicly apologize because I don't believe I did a great job in the last year, year and a half, I'm specifically talking about the pandemic, of thanking those who have served in ministry here at Rock Church. I mean that. Not, not, not done a great job. Um, every week is a, is a beating to try to pull this off. 
It was a beating before the pandemic, you know what I'm saying? Now you throw a pandemic in there, and it is a beatdown. Every week we are fighting, scratching, clawing in the trenches to try to make this happen. It's not easy, and it's not always fun. And I didn't do a great job of saying thank you. Thank you, ushers. Thank you, greeters. Thank you, nursery workers. Thank you, band, for, for, for giving us uh, some worship to honor the Lord and glorify Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So I, I confess my iniquities and, and, and my sins in front of you. How about you? I'll start in this section right here. <laughs> you know? I'm serious. When, when's the last time you walked up to a cafe worker and just said, thank you? You know, instead of going, instead of just staring at him going, how long does it take you to make a black coffee? Are you kidding me right now? I'm going to another ch-ch-ch-ch. When's the last time you thanked a greeter instead of walked in and going, I can't believe there's no greeters here. Kind of, this church isn't friendly. When's the last time you walked into the nursery wing, the kids' wing, and just said, thanks. Thanks, I have no idea what you're going through. But thank you, thank you, thank you. So my encouragement to you is to understand that a lot of people that are serving are weary and wounded, and you'd be surprised how far a thank you will go. Amen? Just thought I'd throw that out there. All right. Our churches are weary and wounded. They're so weary and wounded that parishioners' attendance are at an all-time low. Pastors are leaving the ministry in record Numbers, you can't imagine what's going on with clergy. Nevertheless, I said, nevertheless, God is still building his church. Despite our warts, despite our weariness, and despite our wounds, Jesus is still building an army. Come on now. And I want you to understand that My worst wounds, my most painful experiences in life, I mean this, have come from Christians. Praise the Lord. My most painful, most, uh, the scars that I could show you from an emotional, relational, spiritual experience, it's not even close, have happened in the church. Church people, I'm just being real. But what I don't want us to miss is this. My deepest healings have come from a place called church. Not even close. God has used his people to pour into my pain and my potential more than anyone else. So yeah, I got some deep wounds from church people. But I also got some deep healings from God using church people. You know? I'm being real. The very thing that many people are running from is the very thing that God wants to use to heal them back up and get them back in the game. It's called the church. The church needs to wake up because there are more angels out there. You think I'm the only one? There's more angels out there and in here who need to be healed up 
and raised up. They're out there. They're in here. We need to just wake up and realize that sometimes their attitude, sometimes their action, okay, is just a wound that's speaking. I'm not giving people a license to vent, okay? I am trying to get us to understand that there are people who love Jesus who are wounded and hurting. They love Jesus. They're on their way to heaven. They're just going with some scars, just saying. And there are angels out there. There's other people floating around our churches that if you and I would just get a fresh heart revelation that they're wounded and scarred, you might see them healed up and raised up and going on to reach their fullness and potential in Christ. Okay. You don't get anything out of point one and or point two. Get this classic truth. This is a classic truth. And if you've been... A Christian or a non-Christian, you've probably heard this before, but it's hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. That goes for the world and the church. Nobody just wakes up one day, never hurt, and goes, you know what, today I think I'm going to hurt somebody. You know? Hurt people what? Hurt people. Don't you forget that. This powerful phrase God used to really... uh, Heal me up in the past, and he's using it again. He's freeing me up, and he's waking me up because I'm remembering the phrase, hurt people, hurt people, and he's using it again. It's so cool. We need to wake up, right, because all who have been hurt, hurt back. Everyone, anyone. I have never met one person, let alone Christian, who was hurt and never hurt back. Now, sometimes we mature, and when we get hurt, we hurt a lot less. We're not hurting people as much as we used to. Sometimes we grow up so much that when we get hurt, we don't hurt back at all, okay? But I've never met anyone, no one in the church who was hurt who did not hurt somebody back except Jesus. Except Jesus. That's why he's so incredible. That's why he's so incredible. We serve an amazing God, an awesome God. The only one who was hurt and never hurt back is God. The very one that people say don't exist, the very one that people say they don't want to serve, understand the only one that didn't hurt back was God. That is so, so important. (coughs) God was wounded by our world, and by his own people for our wounds. I'm going to read that again. Think about this. God was wounded. He was hurt by our wicked world and by his own people for our wounds. Please let that sink in just a little bit. When you're trying to get people to God and you're trying to get people to Jesus, He can't relate to their wounds. And he didn't lash back. He did just the opposite. He sacrificed his life for our sins and our wounds. The very people that beat him to death is the very ones that he died for. What an incredible gospel we have. The only one that doesn't hurt back, God. And we got to get this message out. Someone say amen. We got to get the hurting, the wounded, in the world and in the church to Jesus. 
Well, why? Because he's the healer. He's the one that makes them whole. Amen? Now, I'm going to shift gears here and get you out of here. You can think, if you want, you can think that the deception, the dysfunctions, the pandemic, and the wounds in this world and in this church and in the church are not signs of the end of the world. You can do that. You'd be wrong, but you could, you're, you're okay to do that. See, I know the end of the book. I know the end of the story. I don't mean that arrogantly. I just know the end. It's like when you see a movie and everybody's freaking out and you know the conclusion, you know? I know the conclusion. I know signs of the end times. One of the signs that Jesus told us that would be a sign of his return or the end times is found in Matthew 24, verse 12, where he says this, the love of most will grow cold. It's always been that way. Not like it is now. I have never experienced the love of most or many growing as cold as it is today. You want to know why it's increasing like never before? Because for 2,000 years-ish, we've not dealt with our wounds. And it's building up, building up, building up, building up, building up. And you're seeing a world vent about their wounds and their love is going really cold because no one has really told them that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that who would ever believe in him wouldn't perish but would have eternal life. Wow, I'm feeling this a little bit. Okay, you ready? I'm going out on a limb here. This is the last generation. Some are like, oh my goodness, he just predicted the end of the world. (laughs) Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. Who does this guy think he is? Is God downloading info to Italians only? What's going on here, you know? Well, he does. No, he doesn't. Listen, this is so important. This is your last generation to get wounded people to Jesus. This is your last generation. That makes me feel guilty. I'm trying to wake you up. Holy Spirit's trying to wake you up. It's not a guilt trip. It's a wake-up call. You generally get one generation. Sometimes God graces you with two. Most scholars will tell you a generation's 40. Some will say it's 50 years. You get one generation, maybe two generations to impact, influence, disciple, get them to Jesus so that Jesus can not only heal them and forgive them, but he can start a godly heritage in their family. Right? You get one. So it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. You get, this is your last generation. You get one, I get one. I'm going to show you that in the scriptures in just a second. Our last generation to disciple, our last generation to pour into, our last generation to drag to the cross so they can be forgiven and made whole. Listen to Paul in Romans 13, verse 11. 
He says, and do this, understanding, understanding the present time. Do you understand the present time? The hour has already come for you, not your mama, you to wake up. Wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. What's Paul saying there? He's trying to inspire the church to wake up. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ is closer today than it was when you first believed in March of 1986. It's not rocket scientist stuff. I get that. Some of you first believed in the mid-90s. Others of you first believed in, you know, 2021. I don't know when. But understand, he's saying, wake up. Your salvation, your eternal home is closer than it's ever been. He's trying to get the church to see the urgency of eternity and the urgency of the end times. Wake up. I say stand up, please. Okay. I told you we get back to this. I can't stand it when Kimmy or anyone says, it's not the end of the world. I cringe when I hear that. It's a trigger, okay? It's a trigger for me. And it triggers me to act like a baby. <laughs> You're triggering me too, buddy, huh? It triggers me to act like a baby when it's trivial stuff. You overcooked the pasta? It's not the end of the world. It's a trigger for me, you know? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't uh, get oil changed in the Jeep? It's not the end of the world. It's a trigger for me. It's trivial. I act like a baby. I'll admit it. Lions blow it in the fourth quarter? I'm flipping out and calling them names. I'm screaming at the TV. I put the TV on the curb, you know, on the side, just with a shoe in it. You know what I'm saying? And Kimmy's like, aren't you overreacting a little bit? It's not the end of the world. So I'll admit that, that when it comes to trivial stuff, I can act pretty childish. But it's also a trigger for me as a shepherd. When I hear it's not, it's not the end of the world, it triggers me as a shepherd. It triggers me as a Christian. It triggers me as a Christian because... I don't sense the passion for lost souls. I don't sense the hurt and heartache for heritages that don't know Jesus. Disciples that haven't been made yet. So when someone says, eh, it's not the end of the world, it triggers me when it's eternal stuff. Does that make sense? And today I've been triggered. That's why I'm giving a wake-up call. The altar's gonna be open. If you don't want anybody to pray for you and you just wanna serve Jesus and go after Jesus to my left here, you're right. If you want some prayer because you're wounded, you're scarred, things of that nature, or you just need some prayer for whatever, healing, whatever it might be, to, to my right. I want to close with a psalm and then a song. This song is going to wake you and shake you. It is so powerful. Stick around, please, for the whole song. Once we get through the verses and we get to the bridge and we get to the to the chorus, look out. It is a powerful declaration of the power of Jesus Christ. But before the song, I want to read a psalm. 
Psalm 147, verse 3. 147, verse 3. He, talking about God, He heals the brokenhearted. Come on now, church. And He binds up their wounds. But He does. That's who He is. We give a short prayer. Altar's going to be open. You can make your chair an altar. I don't care. Go after God and let the song minister to you and give you hope. Father, thank you for the wounded wake-up call today. Would you wake everyone else, everyone in the house up? Wake us up as a church. Our world and your church is scarred, is wounded. We've been sleeping. We've been stagnant. And we need you to wake us up because you love us and you love others who have been wounded. And we ask everything in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Altars open. Let the song minister to you. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.